That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. All right, all right. All I right. think we, we got it. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of That's What I'm Saying. Uh, I'm recording this episode right before my birthday and right after a, a going to a annual convention called Inbound here in Boston. I've been lucky enough over the past five years to receive uh, free kind of community passes, is what it's called, from friends in different areas of my life who thought it would be nice to share that with me. And basically, you know, you get to come and see the, the showroom floor, you get to see kind of the big fancy pants who are on stage and, you know, some other kind of uh, events going on. Um, so I'm very grateful for all my friends who helped me um, participate in this event. Um, but um, something struck me on this last event or rather the last time visiting Inbound, um, that struck me in an interesting way that I want to share and talk about a little bit, because I think it might be helpful to folks, as I said. Um, to give a little context, the first time that I went to Inbound was in 2014, which is five years from when this is being recorded. Uh, so five years ago, I went to my first Inbound, which was also the same year that I started working on something called City Awake. In our first year, it was a hundred and um, it was a 90 event, 130 partner um, festival where we put on a bunch of events to celebrate doing good in Boston. And so what, what I did was I uh, worked with a bunch of volunteers to create a marketing plan and help build the website and bring in, um, bring in partners and to direct edit and write uh, the video for them and put on an event that was probably, I think, was attended by three or four hundred people and, you know, had an art, um, an inclusion art salon and it included um, a rock band, an acapella group, and two hip-hop artists, and, uh, you know, live art, and, again, this inclusion art salon. Um, but the thing that I remember most about my first Inbound was that I went to see Janelle Monet at the time with someone who I'd heard of, and, you know, it was probably four years removed from when she was singing for that song by Fun, uh, We Are Young. Um, and so she was, you know, if you were into, you know, R&B, uh, or, you know, that kind of genre and uh, kind of offshoots of the genre, you probably knew who Janelle Monáe was. But for whatever reason, 2014 at Inbound, which is a very big conference, um, I remember very clearly being there with, you know, tops 50 to 60 people there, which is interesting, you know, A, at the time it was kind of bizarre, but also just to see how far she's come in five years, you know, winning Oscars and being nominated for Grammys and um, you know, she actually was back five years later um, this year as an entrepreneur, you know, on a panel talking about her other endeavors. Um, and so the reason I mention all that is that it's just interesting to think about, um, you know, how far people come in five years, like how things change in five years and where you were five years ago and where you're going to be in five years. Um, and then on top of that, you know, my birthday was coming up and, you know, I'm, I'm in my mid 40s. And so it just sort of was hitting me. Interestingly, to think about my legacy, or at least my, you know, am I providing value to the world? Is anyone going to, like, care or notice that I'm here, right, or that I'm not here? Um, and so those kind of things were on my mind. And on the day that I was, and now I'm arriving at the point, that <laughs> the day that I was at Inbound for the first time this year, um, I had one friend who was, I walk into the convention center, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's so-and-so who I know well. Uh, who's on the you know big screen everywhere and is on this big stage participating in a panel discussion, and on that same day you know so another friend of mine who I sort of you know done some organiz organizing with community organizing with, 
was doing a big fancy event too. And kind of what struck me was that, you know, this, this, you know, sort of vision or the scenario of like, well, if they had, you know, brought me on stage, he's like, you know, let's pick someone from the crowd and see what they're about. And it'd be interesting because like of the people who are in Boston, um, I think it's a fair assessment that if you have put on, if you've kind of been involved in most of the, not most, I guess, but a lot of the Boston uh, scenes, as it were, like communities, and gone to an event, it's likely that a good chunk of them were ones that I was involved with. It was just a funny thought to think that I had done a lot of work in the past five years, but very few people would know about it. And on one level, like, it's just sort of just ego. <laughs> like, you know, I want people to know that I exist. Um, and then obviously I, I do recognize that um, I'm very privileged in, in, frankly, every sense of the word. Um, but that when it comes to sort of sociologically, like I know that I was born into privilege. I didn't earn it. I grew up, you know, I, I was born in America as a white male. Like I didn't do anything to achieve that. It's just, it was given to me. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a privilege. That's why I use that word. You know, the bottom line is that it's hard for me to have my voice be heard. Well, imagine how hard it is for other people who aren't as privileged as I am. Um, and I really, um, you know, want to acknowledge that and to, and to appreciate that and to, um, simply just put that out there that like, obviously like no one wants to not have their voice be heard, but on the scale of things and the scope of things, um, I do realize and I do want to strongly acknowledge that um, if it's hard for me and if it's if it feels bad to me, my first thought is just, you know, how hard must it be for folks who aren't as privileged as I am and, and how, um, you know, to just be empathetic. Uh, so I, I recognize how A, privileged I am and B, that it, <laughs> it might come across as tone deaf of like, oh, like my voice isn't being heard. Like, when obviously, um, or to me, it's obvious that, uh, you know, frankly, uh, middle-aged white men are being listened to far too much um, and that other voices need to be heard, not just to make things quote-unquote fair, but because it makes things better <laughs> by having more than one opinion, one more than more perspective, one more than idea. Uh, those are important things to do aside from being equitable and to be um, fair to folks who deserve it. Um, but the bottom line was just that uh, it it wasn't a great feeling to think, well, man, I've done all this work and no one knew about it. And without sounding like I'm just listing my credentials, like the truth of it is, is that the first year we did City Awake, um, you know, it was started out as an, a 90 event, 130 partner festival. Um, it's something much different now that I'm not involved with. But at the time, you know, I was a founder for that festival. Uh, which again, you know, encompassed a good amount of programs that in Boston, the social impacts or tech and, um, you know, education, political scene that are really well known. You know, and I put on eight years of a film festival. Uh, I've, you know, done work, um, you know, I've done whether it be performing or DJing events at Improv Boston. And I've done, I put on rock shows and I've put on um, shows at breweries and, you know, I've done work with, uh, I've done shows, I've done a panel events for like women in tech and so on and so forth at WeWork. And I was head of events at Work Bar uh, for a, a better part of a year. And also I've done a number of events with the Boston Calendar, which is one of the 
um, most popular, you know, uh, sources for free events in Boston. The other motto is, I think it's uh, mostly free events that don't suck. Um, and so the reality is, is that like it's, it's a fair assessment to say that in the past five years, if you've, you know, if you've been somewhat involved in the tech, music, film, oh yeah, film, uh, business community, and that's basically what Boston is, is Boston is like, you know, there's, there's film, art, you know, biotech, education, and government, basically, like, then you are connected somehow to something that I was helped, I helped build. And that's a pretty bold statement, and maybe inaccurate, and uh, hopefully, hopefully it doesn't come across as, like, name-dropping, but the truth of it is that the point of the story is that if I got up on stage and said all those things, it would be a surprise to everybody in the room except for maybe five friends who I knew. <laughs> You know, like, it's just, it, and so the, the pang that I had and that thought was like, well, you know, my birthday's coming up and I'm in my mid-40s and, you know, it's just, it's just a natural time to kind of look back and just, it just had me thinking, again, I've done a lot of things in Boston and to not have a lot of money for it and not to have a lot of recognition for it, not to have a lot of clout, doesn't always feel good. And so as I was doing these original podcasts, I was kind of thinking this through as I was talking and... Um, like I came to the point of like, well, look, like I didn't do all those things for fame and attention and money and whatever else. I did it because I enjoyed it and I did it because I thought it would help uh, others. And I hoped that it would give me a certain amount of attention because that feels good. Uh, you know, and I hope that it gave me money because, you know, you need money to survive in this world. And it's at some point when you put that much time and energy into something, you want to get paid for it. Um, but at the same time, you know, again, I didn't go in. Oh, another thing I mentioned from like an accolade standpoint is, you know, I've definitely gotten into 150 film festivals. I've lost count, to be honest, um, over the past 10 years, but I know it's at that number. And I've won a good amount of um, awards at those festivals and writing awards. And we, whether it's as a producer or a director or a writer, you know, I, my, I'm pretty well covered in getting like indie, indie awards. The point is, is that like, it, it's great that I've won those awards, but it, it doesn't, it means a lot to me on a personal level, but I know that it doesn't really mean much, you know, in a practical, tactical sense. Um, but the point is, is that I put a lot of energy and effort into a lot of my endeavors. And it's one thing to not, um, you know, go to go into it not thinking you're going to make money. It's another thing to go into it not thinking you're going to make money and then have other people kind of be rewarded for it. Or people doing the same thing that you're doing getting far more attention you can't figure out why you know and you know it's hard like I I do these podcasts for fun I do these podcasts because I want to have my voice be heard and you know hopefully something turns into it but that's about the sum total of it so I do podcasts I write blogs I put on events regularly um you know I uh obviously I'm I'm looking for work whether it be clients for video or also I'm job searching for full-time jobs and I hear a lot of no's <laughs> I know a lot of people hear a lot of no's, so I'm not comparing my situation to anyone else's. It's just that at the end of the day, it doesn't always feel good to hear as many no's as I hear. Um, and I can deal with it usually, but again, when you see people who are doing the same thing that you're doing and who are benefiting it from far more than you are, it hurts. And, you know, again, as I said it out loud, it sounds ridiculous coming from a white man uh, who's educated and lives in America, which is basically, again, like winning the lottery. Um, since most people who are who are not in my 
privileged class or whatever, whatever, whatever it is. Like the people don't have the privileges that I have, you know, that's their, that's their life. Like very often people are marginalized in their jobs or in their lives and don't get the attention or credit that they deserve. So I'm fully aware that in the scope of things, my little problem or my little feelings don't match up. And in the scope of things, I'm far more uh, well off. What's the word? I'm part, again, just privileged. I'm far more privileged than other people. So um, I'm not trying to compare myself to anyone. It's just that I'm sharing how I feel. And so the point is, is yeah, just on, it was interesting to see um, that happened. And so the, to see, it was interesting to have, to acknowledge those feelings that I had that like, oh my gosh, like, you know, I'm jealous, I guess is the word. Like I'm, I'm annoyed that I've done just as much as these other folks and I'm still struggling for attention. Uh, And the reason why attention matters is that so you can, you know, leverage that into money or a job or a situation where you're doing things that you really feel passionate about. And if people don't know what you're doing or how you're doing, and it's very hard to survive in this world because, you know, money is a factor. It just is. Um, so on top of that, the uh, inbound conference had me think about, you know, as someone who's done events as a professional for many years and who has done events, uh, you know, even just growing up since I was like 10 with my father, um, I'm always curious about why people go to certain events and don't go to others or why they like one event and not another. And almost, you know, my experience almost to, uh, yeah, my experience just basically, my experience tells me that, you know, most, I've been to a lot of events that aren't, you know, fundamentally good, (laughs) but people love because they're surrounded by people who either reflect who they are or who they see as people they want to be like, Uh, you know, like, so you gravitate towards people who uh, are like you, quote unquote, or who you know, you want to impress or you want to be like, uh, and that's a, that's a kind of a cynical way of putting it. But honestly, that's my experience is that like, you know, they're, they're, most people gravitate towards people who are quote unquote like them. And that's a good thing in the sense that like, you know, everyone, everyone wants to find their place in the world and their tribe and whatnot. But I think there's also the lesson there also is to, our goal should be to, once we find our tribe, to bring other people into that tribe and then to expand outside of your own tribe and try to, you know, not be just surrounded in, you know, the same people in the same bubble, the same ideas and expand and grow. And that helps the universe and it helps you and so on and so forth. But yeah, it was just inbound was such an example of like, it was, there was a lot of good information there. There was a lot of good vendors there. The entertainment was fantastic. So it was like ostensibly a really good event. But again, a part of the biggest reasons they could put it on is because they had money, right? And so, and attention. And so if you don't have money and attention, it's a hard to kind of get critical mass for events um, or anything really. And the second part is that, you know, it was clear that the people who were at Inbound were excited to be there because either A, they were fulfilling kind of a fear of missing out or they felt very comfortable in that space because there was a bunch of other marketers who were of the same interest and age and, you know, whatever, culture um, fit. Uh, So anyways, it's just always interesting to me how... um, at the same time, like pomp and circumstance can draw people in, but the thing that makes a difference is a community. Like people need to feel like they're connected to community for them to feel that the event is any good. You know, and you could have like you know clowns and jugglers, but if you know your five friends are there with you, then it's the best time of your life. Or you go to like you know this amazing 
this amazing light show and a million different options and, you know, crazy things you've never seen before that like, you know, delight the eyes and the senses. And if you're not there with anybody who you care about, then very often it doesn't feel as exciting or interested, interesting as it could be. Um, but yeah, so the other thing, how this all kind of ties together is, you know, I always talk about this a lot because I always see people, like I'm always striving to get, you know, more likes and more attention for my work because again, my hope is, is that if I can get more likes and views and listens and whatever else, uh, you know, more people can hear my voice then there's a chance um, that I can make more money. I can leverage that, you know, to build an audience um, and then have a, you know, being able to have a living doing something that I enjoy. Um, but the, the, the reality is, is that, you know, uh, likes and attention and, you know, I understand it. Like when people, you know, they, it feels good. You get that dopamine rush when someone likes your post and if it's that special someone, then it's even better, you know, or if it's like, you know, a fancy pants who likes it, then somehow you think you've leveled up. But the truth of it is, is that what you find really fast is that, you know, that kind of initial rush of, of, you know, good feeling of dopamine doesn't last like it's not it's not the thing that's going to sustain you because one you realize that you know you haven't changed inwardly and two it doesn't you know having a million likes or a million followers um can make you money but it doesn't necessarily mean that it will and if it does make you money it doesn't mean that it's going to make you happy and we think that 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 the equation is you know likes equals money equals happiness and you know i've talked to a bunch of people uh mainly in Los Angeles uh, last week, um, but who all had channels who they quit, you know, and they were making like $8,000 or more uh, on these channels. And I was like, well, why did you not stop doing it? And, and like, again, you know, the range is, they were making between, you know, eight to $10,000, I guess. But each single one of them said that the reason why they quit is that it just was, it, in order to make that money, it required so much time and energy that they weren't able to enjoy the, their lives, right? So, like, whatever your level of enjoyment is, like, that's up to you. It's in the eye of the beholder. But at the end of the day, if you are making money but not being able to enjoy it, then what's the point? You know, at some level, you need money, and that's the point, right? Or because you need to survive, and that's the point. But he quit his, you know, the one guy I'm thinking about in particular, uh, you know, quit his channel and became a bartender so he could all then explore being an actor while he was making far less money and, um you know, how does went from being his own boss to having a boss, and you know, but we all have our our um, criteria. Right? We all have our like rating system. We all have our like value system. But the bottom line is that the thing I want to point out is this: that one is attention doesn't equal happiness. Attention and likes and views and shares doesn't always equal money, and money doesn't again doesn't equal happiness. So. The truth of it is, as I, again, why I recorded this the second time, or the third time I even, I just wanted to kind of get to the point where I was thought it through. And it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't put on events to make money. Like at first I thought there'd be an opportunity to kind of leverage them into some sort of job, but it's clear that that's not going to happen. But I want to do them anyways. I like bringing people together. I like having a bunch of different characters in the room. And I like seeing, I like the idea of other people meeting each other and, um, I enjoy putting them together. I just enjoy it. Like I haven't really thought through exactly why I enjoy the process, but I just enjoy it and I would do it regardless. And when it comes to films, you know, I have a film with a million views or 1.2 million views on YouTube and you know, that none of them mean anything to me other than, you know, or compared to 
you know, the one time when I had a film festival, I was at a film festival in Venice and a person saw my film and walked out and said, you know, this film really changed my life. And what made it even better, you know, from a chip on my shoulder standpoint, or not even better, but like an added level is that, you know, it was a film that a lot of people said they didn't think was very good and didn't matter. Like it wasn't fancy enough. And, you know, those are mostly people who are in Hollywood. And if you're in Hollywood and don't really accomplish anything, you somehow get to have, uh, you know, clout. Even though you don't, you know, you're a, you know, you're a mid-level paper pusher, but you're working for fancy pants, and somehow, you people kind of listen to you more than if you're a mid-level paper pusher, not in Hollywood or an indie director such as myself. But the point is, that a lot of people tell me that this particular film wasn't very good, even though later on it, it went on to screen at five years worth of festivals, uh, and you know probably 16, 17 festivals. And it really wasn't a great film, but it was a film that affected certain people because it kept on getting asked to be in film festivals, right? So whether you're like affecting one person or a hundred, like that is way more powerful and way more meaningful and way more sustaining. It makes you feel good and like keeps you going than a million views. And again, if you have a million views or 10 million or a hundred, if you can't leverage that into either A, money, or B, you know, you can sit there and say, well, I've changed a hundred lives or one life or whatever, then it just, it is what it is. It's that you have a million likes or a million views is a million likes and a million views. Like if you can take it and leverage it again into helping the world in a positive way or um, bringing joy to yourself, um, I would just say that like 10 million views versus 20 million views is not going to make you feel any happier. Um, and, you know, if you are making more money that gives you more time to do stuff that makes that makes you happy, well, then that makes sense. But I guess my point is, is most people don't think that far. Most people's equations, at least that I talk to, and, you know, again, I'm in a bubble myself, so maybe I'm wrong, but people I talk to definitely feel that the correlation is more likes equals more attention equals fame and fortune equals happiness. And not only do more likes and more attention not equal fame and fortune, if you did get those things, I promise you it doesn't necessarily equal happiness. Um, and so while I do still have pangs of like, man, I put all this time and energy and putting all this stuff on and getting, you know, putting hard work into this and nobody knows who I am. Like that's a hard thing to swallow when you have spent so much energy on this. Like, and I, you know, I know people have dealt with far more hardships than this, but yeah, at some point you kind of want to get attention. So I, like I said, I hope that's, you know, somebody's listening to this and that they get something of value out of it. Um, but if not, I enjoy doing it. And again, so that's, that's the math for me. If I'm doing something that I enjoy, there's a chance that at least one person can be affected in a positive way, then that's enough for me. Um, you know, I do need to be able to pay my bills. So I need to figure that one out too. But yeah, I'm, I've definitely had pangs of jealousy or at least like, come on, man. <laughs> you know, like I, that's like, I know that person, like, and they're like literally sitting next to this fancy pants or this, like on the same day, there's like three people all who were kind of doing really cool events with massive amounts of attention and making good money doing it, um, who all were either doing the same thing I was doing um, and or who were doing something based on or in part on my hard work helping them get there. Uh, so yeah, it didn't really feel great. But after again talking it through and thinking it through, you know, my goal is to be happy moment by moment and to do good moment by moment as best I can. And money is a worry, but, you know, I'm not going to equate money with happiness um, if I can. And I can. So anyways, this is my third time of this. I think I'm going to stick with it. Hopefully it, it um, is helpful to someone out there. And again, thanks again for your time and attention. Until next time. Bye-bye.